I just think that it's a really special film and something that gets to the heart of our relationships to one another and that like in- inherent humanity that we feel towards other people. And it's just, it's so beautiful. Close Watch with Robert Yannis Jr., Episode 2. I am the aforementioned Robert Yannis Jr. And you can find more episodes of this show, formerly known as the Crooked Table Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. On this episode, Rachel Wagner joins me to talk about Your Name, which is a movie that I'd heard a lot about, hadn't actually gotten a chance to watch it. We'll talk during the episode about my experience with anime versus her experience to anime and why this movie resonates with her so so importantly in such a personal way. But if you're not an anime fan, how well does your name play? Would Rachel recommend this as a person who's coming at this type of animation relatively fresh? Let's get going and find out. Welcome to Close Watch, the show where we get to know our guests through the movies they love. On this episode, I am honored to welcome to the show, Rachel Wagner, a.k.a. Rachel's Reviews. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So tell people a little bit about, obviously, you're you're all over the place on film Twitter. Tell people who aren't familiar with you, uh, yeah. who you are, what you do. So I have a lot of fun doing a lot of different stuff. I'm very busy. I have Rachel's Reviews where I am a Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic and we have family movie night every Monday and I do lots of different animation themed podcasts over there. Also, I have the Criterion Project that I do once a month with my friend Conrado. That's a lot of fun. We talk about films from the Criterion channel. And then my other biggest commitment is with the Hallmarkies podcast where we cover all things holiday, rom-com and Hallmark. And so it's pretty fun. It's all. It's a very intimidating list. You have a lot going on. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm overwhelmed and slightly jealous that you're able to pull all those things off. That's awesome. It's uh, it's probably not all that healthy, but hey, it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is too. We when you love movies like we love movies, you're trying to find as many ways as possible to express that that passion. So like for me, I had the one podcast and then I was suddenly like, what, what if I split it into like two, maybe three podcasts and just tackle movies from different, different angles. And so now I'm yeah. like, oh crap, what's happening? What do I, what did I just say I was going to do? Oh. And it is amazing what you can accomplish if you just establish a routine, right? That I just have that every Saturday I, I do this, 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 and this, and this, and I have, and I also, I do have a lot of support that helps me, especially with Hallmarkies. So there's eight other co-hosts that nice. help create content as well. I'm still on almost every single episode and I still doing a lot of the editing and a lot of the, the uh, prep work and everything, but especially at Christmas, it's, it's pretty intense, but it is, I would say maybe not as overwhelming as you think. I just don't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, one way to do it. I, I just had to cut out. Like I, I remember a while back, I, I used to watch Dancing with the Stars and I was like, no, it has to go. I just don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found too that that uh, it's hard to find time for TV 
when you're so busy watching and covering movies, it's New just content, TV yeah. shows unless unless they're directly linked to something that you're you know writing about or podcasting yeah. about. It's like, yeah, no, I don't have time to commit yeah. to a series. I have this list of movies to watch it's in the next true. month. That was something weird about the pandemic is because I did have a little bit more time. I was all of a sudden and wasn't covering movies as much. All of a sudden I had time to cover all of these shows and I was actually finally catching up to shows that I'd been meaning to watch for forever. I finally watched Stranger Things season three. I finally (laughs) been been on my list, but I just didn't have time because especially during the holidays, it is almost impossible for me to, to do anything like that. Well, with the Hallmarkies, I would imagine so. That's yeah, because uh, yeah. I, I, I yeah, you're either into the Hallmark thing or you're not into the Hallmark thing. But if you're into the Hallmark movies, there's they don't they have? We're recording this at the beginning of July. Don't don't they have like the Christmas in July thing going on right now? They do. Well, it's yeah. the they ha- they're starting it already. I don't know when this will air, but it started in June actually for the Hallmark movies and mysteries channel, which is more like the dramas for, for holidays. And then they were doing the main channel on the ninth, starting Christmas in July. Okay. If you want any coverage at all, check out Hallmark's podcast. You can't go wrong. I'm really impressed with the range of movies that you cover because you mentioned all kinds of different genres there. And obviously one of the ones you mentioned was animation. And tonight we're going to be discussing the, uh, 2016 film, Your Name, from Makoto Shinkai. Let's hit the cafe later. Thanks, but I gotta go to work. You I can't stand this place anymore. It's too small and close-knit. Please make me a Tokyo boy like that fly! Where am I? I've been having some strange dreams lately. Like a dream about someone else's life. What is this? What could this mean? In our dreams, that girl and I were switching places. So why did you want to discuss this movie specifically? Because I I think when I when I reached out to you about doing the show, you came back with your name pretty quick. And it was like, what do you want to talk about? You're like, your name. I was like, done. Let's do that. Because this is actually this was actually a first time watch for me. Uh, prior to this, I, I've been, it's one of those that I'd been meaning to get to, but I just never, you're so busy. Like we were just talking about, you're so busy covering the new releases yeah. that are coming out and everything that you lose track of movies that you mean to watch. So what yeah. is it about this movie? Why did you want to discuss this one today? Well, I feel like I am an an ambassador to your name. Like I've gotten so many people to watch your name and almost every single person that I recommended to has loved it. There are a few people who are like, it's fine, but I've gotten well over a hundred people to watch this movie <laughs> just through my immediate influence, not a, let alone more broader influence, but, but just my friends and people like that. And it's my favorite movie. I absolutely love it. I think it has everything that you could want in a movie. It's funny. It's heartfelt. It's exciting. It's spiritual in nature. There's layers to it. Every time I watch it, I feel like I notice something new and different. It's so beautiful. I love the music. Uh, just, I just think it's, it's great. Yeah. I, I actually did enjoy it quite a bit. I feel like it's the yeah. movie that really rewards rewatch. That was one of the, my takeaways. I was like, well, that was good. I need to see it again 
to really have it sink yeah. in. Partially because I was watching it for this podcast. So I was like, oh, let me write that down. You're watching it too much of a critical <laughs> eye. It's hard to get absorbed in, in the in the story. And it's quite an emotional story as we'll, as we'll get into. Yeah. But it, this is also one of the, it, I don't know if it's the highest anime movie, but highest grossing, but it's up there. I think it may have surpassed Spirited Away. It's like really close. But I, I feel like you should get a cut of that now, Rachel. As if you're, <laughs> if you're, you're getting so yeah, many we'll people on board. Come on. Yeah. I just think that it's a really special film and something that gets to the heart of our relationships to one another and that like in, inherent humanity that we feel towards other people. And when, when they are in each other's bodies, they come to understand the value of each other. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And I think it, it's one of those rare movies that ends perfectly. I absolutely adore the ending. When was the first time that you saw it? And, and what was that experience like? How much did it shape your opinion of the movie itself? So the first time I saw it was actually on a screener link for the, the like Oscar whatever coverage. And so on my laptop. So that's not that exciting. But right. it was enough to make my top pick for my 2016 movie list. I liked it that much. And I, I immediately started just promoting it and telling everybody about it. And I was devastated when it wasn't nominated for Best Animated Film. Absolutely outrageous. Yeah, I hadn't even, obviously hadn't even seen it. And even I was like, wait a minute, where's that Your Name yeah. movie everybody's talking about? Yeah, it was ridiculous. I think they would have had an easier time if they had waited and had the campaign be for 2017 versus 2016 right. uh, doing the, the December push in 2016. I think it would have been better because 2017 was a lot weaker year because 2016 had like Moana and Zootopia, Cuba one, and Zootopia. One, yeah. and whereas like 2017, I don't know, things like the boss baby and stuff like that. getting <laughs> Yeah. <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> That should have been an easy win for your name. Yeah. If that's the competition. Correct. It, it probably wouldn't have still gotten nominated because the Academy has a confirmed anime bias. And unless it's Studio Ghibli, it almost never gets nominated. That's we were true. all thrilled when um, Rai got nominated. I forget when that was, but we were excited because that was one of the first if not the first non-Studio Ghibli anime film to get nominated. And so I don't know what their problem is with anime, but whatever. Yeah. Quick, quick I, I just tangent think this with, movie is great. Yes, agreed. Quick tangent to the Oscar side of things. The nominees that year were Loving Vincent, Ferdinand, The Breadwinner, The Boss Baby, and then Coco, which won, which is obviously a movie a lot of people love. Yeah. So that's at least it didn't go to something ridiculous. But the fact that I think, isn't is Ferdinand? No, Ferdinand's not DreamWorks also. But the fact that That's Ferdinand and, but yes, exactly. And Boss Baby both got in there. I'm like, yeah, come on. That's not yeah, cool. Exactly. So are you a, a fan of anime generally? Like prior to the- to I am. Name? Yeah, I am. And I, I honestly don't really understand people that don't like anime. Like I understand not liking individual films. It's the right. same thing. I don't understand people that don't like black and white movies. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. There's so many different kinds. How can you not like a whole medium? I like, there's just such a variety when you have everything from, 
from something like your name to grave of the fireflies which is all watercolor oh, and yeah. you know it's a war story to akira sci-fi ghost in the shell then you have all the 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 studio and i mean i just don't understand it and i can understand i feel like a lot of people when they say i don't like anime what they're really saying is they don't like a lot of the popular series like pokemon mm-hmm. and digimon and things like that but they haven't really given the movies a shot right i don't know well, that's the, that's what i wonder yeah well, Pokemon and Digimon, which are geared towards younger viewers, whereas obviously something like Grave mm-hmm. of the Fireflies, not really for right. kids. Uh, and I and I feel like yeah, right. some people just bulk animation in general as as yeah, a genre when it's a medium, really. And mm-hmm. and I think there's more of a challenge that anime presents to American viewers, whereas with this about subtitles, you have that already. And then you have all the cultural differences and that I guess people are just like, oh, I don't know, that seems like homework maybe or or for me personally who's not super well versed in anime but whenever i've watched one i've enjoyed it it's it's just it, it feel i think it feels like overwhelming like it's just like you don't know where to begin aside from something like miyazaki so if, if mm-hmm. you're this we're going to specific sales pitch on this movie later but as far as people who are just getting into anime would you recommend this be when they start with and what was your crash course i think for people that to understand the that part of the genre yeah if i was saying trying to pick a first movie i think i probably would pick totoro just because it's Mm, so simple and so sweet and i don't know i just can't imagine disliking it <laughs> but where something like spirit away or is more crazy so right. it might be a little bit harder for some people to enjoy but this would be pretty close it'd be pretty high up there in my like gateway i think it's a pretty good gateway film for people who don't think that they like anime especially because it starts out so funny and so yeah. it draws yeah, you it, in it does with the humor it does. It does. And it's what's cool about this movie is that it's it's rated PG. So if you wanted to watch this with your kids, it's totally fine. Aside mm-hmm. from the, the two characters, Taki and Mitsuha, like waking up with different parts. Other than that, it's very clean and chaste and there's nothing, no violence or anything. Yeah. So it works for younger audiences. But if you're it's sort of like in the same way that Pixar does, where if you yeah, see Inside Out as a yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just I actually think it it might be a good movie for for kids and in those awkward conversations when you're talking about your bodies and what makes us who we are. And and I think that actually could be like a helpful discussion, even though it is funny. So I even those parts that are a little more ridiculous and, and, and funny. I, I think could actually be a parenting thing. So I would definitely recommend this. I did a whole video on my channel on on what things you could talk to your kids about with how your name could be a teaching tool for families. Oh, nice. I need to, I'll have to check that out after we're done recording. One thing that really struck me about this movie too is obviously we start with the two characters and they're in high school and they're swapping bodies sort of intermittently is the fact that I, I can't really recall. Obviously, there's been a long history of body swapping movies in Hollywood, but they're almost always for a solely comedic effect. And they're almost always same gendered. They're almost like the Freaky Fridays yeah. or like, yeah. you know, the change up or whatever, yeah. whatever comedies they've done from that. I'm thinking back, what was it 18 again? Like along, like in the 80s with um, George Burns and man, was that there- Kirk Cameron? 
I forget. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> there was a, a bunch of also almost always people that know each other. Yes. So here you have two people who when we find out later, literally aren't even in the same timeline and they, they, they have no idea who each other are. And so that makes it unique as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much potential there for literally having characters walking in each other's shoes. And there's mm-hmm. the shared Japanese culture that they, that they both have, but it's also one is in Tokyo and one is sort of in the countryside. And, and so it's their, their ways of life, how they, how they shape their lives and, and how those lives affect each other. Is there a particular character or theme in this movie that really resonates with you personally? Well, just the whole, the theme of that, their connection to each other, the band that binds them together, that, that it's, it's past even time that, that I love the fact that Pataki is probably my favorite character. And the fact that he knows, he feels Mitsuwa's presence and he knows that he needs to help her but he doesn't know what to do. And so he just tries something. He just goes. And I think that's so moving. There's a real spirituality to me about his character that he, he feels her presence and he knows her name and he goes and he tries to find her on the train and he feels that band that connects the two of them together. And I think it's beautiful. And the whole ending with uh, them finding each other on the stairs. And I think I know your name. (laughs) Perfect. They know it. They sense it. And I think that's true. I'm a very spiritual person. I was just just about to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have had moments where I just have a connection with people. And I know that, that God wants me to interact with that person. That person is important. I feel their value. And I think that that's a true, whether you particularly believe in God or not, I think there is something to the humanity of others that when we interact with them, when we know them, it's a powerful thing. And there's the whole scene at the Shinto shrine with the grandmother mm-hmm. talking about yep. how everything's connected and how time and everything is bound together. And I'm a Star Wars fan, so my, naturally my mind was like, that sounds like the Force. But it's all drawn from religious texts, from from spirituality. And I think it's it's this movie, it's actually, as you were saying, something that more people should see because it does shed a light on that way of thinking. And mm-hmm. in, you know, in our culture, we a lot of times in our entertainment don't really emphasize the spiritual side of things or the connections. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing this movie really, obviously it's literally about connection. It's about truly understanding someone and the fear of losing that, that these two characters yeah. grapple with. And I was really, I was really intrigued by the very clean three act structure. Like the first half hour or so is them feeling like they're in a dream state when they're switching bodies. Mm-hmm. And then I think like roughly 30 minutes in or something like that, is when they start to become aware of it and they're like, all right, we need to develop a system to keep this. So, so it, so it's like, it, mm-hmm. it, it explores the, the logical extension of like, all right, if you're in that situation, how do you make that functional? Like how to hurry, be prepared to like take over when, when you, right. you wake up in the other body. Yeah. And it's so cute too, to see, to see Mitsua getting so excited about cafes and, and then him being like, you're eating all my food. <laughs> You're spending all my money. What are you doing? Yeah. And, and just all that is so fun. And 
And, but yeah, like you were saying about the shrine, one of the things I wrote down that the grandma says that the offering, it connects the gods with the people. Mm-hmm. And she says, Miyamaza shrine connects Mitsuwa and Taki, all people, with the hereafter. In order to return to this world, you have to leave behind what is most important to you. And so it's literally her own saliva is in the sake and (laughs) that she's she's left as an offering and that's what allows taki to they're so connected at that point the taki can then save the whole town and it's it's great (laughs) yeah i i i didn't obviously know the role that the sake plays later on and how it's the crux that ends up connecting them again through the power of the gods or, or spirituality, whatever you want to call it. But I liked the through line there with the Shinto shrine being this ancient form of, of sake making and being looked down upon by Mitsuha's friends who are making fun of her and all that stuff. And I, and I feel like it's almost a meta commentary on this movie because it is so sweet. It is so earnest and sentimental. Mm-hmm. And it would be really easy for a cynical person to watch this and be like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm a softie. And I always have been. And so I've, I fall, I cry at most things. So, Me so too. it wasn't, it's not, a, yeah. So as someone who, who emotionally connects to movies, what is, what is, how, is that something that you've encountered in your life, just in your appreciation of film and, and how do you, how do you deal with that? Because it's, it's frustrating for me when I share something that I emotionally connect with, with someone close to me. And then they're like, they resonate with it. Not, uh, not at all, or in a different way. Yeah. What's your takeaway being a sentimental person watching your <laughs> yeah, name, I mean, I watched, Hallmark movies I watched, and all that stuff. Yeah. I was just going to say, I watch like 200 Hallmark movies a year. So I definitely fit exactly, in that camp. Exactly. I, I joke, I'm public waterworks. Almost anything right. will make me cry. <laughs> but yeah, I think that we all feel that even, as a critic, uh, it was just the other day that I had recommended, I think it was Mitchell's versus the machines to somebody, which I adored and loved. Mm-hmm. And the person I recommended to didn't care for it. And that's totally valid. And they have the right to their opinion, but there was a side that we was like, Oh yeah. I was like, I was looking forward to geeking out together about exactly. that film and now I'm not going to have that experience. And that makes me a little sad. Obviously, I respect their opinion. and would never try to change their opinion. But I think even critics feel that way from yeah. time to time. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I certainly think that hopefully people in our lives would at least listen to our point of view. And I think maybe that's why we do what we do is that maybe people aren't listening to our point of view. And so we want to just spit it out there for the world to see. It, it can be at least somewhat therapeutic for me to, to write, write it out or to speak it out, depending on this podcast or, or one of my reviews. And that, that can be pretty therapeutic of, of process, especially if it's something that I connected with that most people don't seem to be connecting with or vice versa. Yeah. That that's the, the blessing of doing what we do. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I totally feel you on the the feeling let down when that happens. And then there's also a small part of me. It's like, well, you just don't get it. It just doesn't hit you. (laughs) And and it's so it's unfortunate when that happens. Obviously, though, everyone has their own opinion with film. That's why the fun of doing this show where I last episode, I talked to someone about Field of Dreams. Now I'm talking about your name with you. And then I have like another almost dozen episodes on pretty much every genre set up in the next few weeks. So there's like a lot of there's a lot out there to enjoy and it's fun to have people bring their passion to the show for, yeah. for these vastly different films. Do you think one thing we were talking about earlier with the gender swap element of it, do you think that this movie has anything particular to say about gender identity because it touches on it, but it's not really, it doesn't seem like it's really in play, but again, this is my first viewing. So maybe you have a better insight yeah. than I do. I thought about that a lot. I, I think that it does have something to say about the our connection with our bodies, right? And how we and how that figures into gender and our identification and the shock that both of them feel when they're outside of their bodies. And there's something I think there. I think there's something in there going on. And yeah, I that that I think isn't typically addressed and thought about. And I I think that the relationship between Taki and Mitsua, you get to see when Mitsua is in, in Taki's body and doing things like sewing uh, the girl's skirt or the influence of like a more feminine perspective or, or certainly Mitsua's perspective. And the, also then the influence of Taki's perspective on Mitsua's friends there's there's something there I think about about differences between men and women and and how those influences can be felt in friend groups. Yeah, absolutely, and and it also it being a a coming of age story. Obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> spoilers for listeners: when you reach a certain age, <laughs> your body starts changing. Right. <laughs> so so it's and it obviously. Is yeah, you wake up and you're like, wait, what happened? So so it's relatable on that level, I guess, too. Just being that that age is 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 a confusing time. So I think this movie captures that too in the first 30, 40 minutes. The the confusion and the surreality of being a teenager and trying to figure out yeah. literally not just your name, but who you are. And and I think yeah. that that it, it does that again in a really spiritually enlivened way by having them exploring it as, as a sort of dream state. And I thought that was a really interesting way to approach that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's well said. Yeah. I also wanted to highlight, of course, the, the music in this by Rad yeah. Wimps, which I was just in to get, to get in the mindset for this episode, I was actually listening to it on Spotify oh. just before this. I was like, man, this is pretty, cause I did notice that too, while I was watching it. The, the music really did stand out to me. It gives the movie such an energy too. throughout just keeps the pace moving. And, and it's such a tightly constructed movie to begin with that you would think with the, all the body swapping, the time difference, there's, there are things that are told out of order at times. You would think mm-hmm. it would be a lot more convoluted than it is, but it's done so, so elegantly that it's yeah. you you have that narration guiding you through some of it and and obviously there's certain markers like her red ribbon to signify when things happened and in what order what is it about the structure and the layout of this film that really that really connects to you because it it feels very unlike most 
most animated movies or a coming of age body swap movie. Like it feels like all of the, it has yeah. trappings of all those genres, but it feels like something wholly unique. It does have a lot going on. And I know a few people that were like, wow, I was really confused. I, I at least was able to just let go of anything that maybe I didn't understand the first time and just go along for the ride. And I think what it does so well is that it starts being really funny. So it draws you in to the story and it's just light and fun. And then it takes a turn and you're more, it's a little bit deeper and then a little bit deeper after that. And it goes and goes until the moment with the comet and trying to convince her father to do something all of that that building 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 and then you get this very sweet ending after this intense conflict climax with them as adults and them finding each other and so i think that's what it does so well is it just tantalizes you along it tempts you along with just oh this is quite fun and then surprise it's gonna be more than that right (laughs) yeah it's it's very light sort of teen yeah. teen angst for the first like i said the first 30 40 minutes uh-huh. that, that's that's the thing that i thought was so interesting about it is you have that first chunk that's them discovering what's happening and then mm-hmm. them bonding and then the connection is broken and then there's it becomes more much more of a fast paced almost adventure film at times the way that the story moves and where you have taki trying to re, re out, reach out to mitsua and kind of save her and the town from the comet that's about like it gets it becomes like disaster movie-esque towards the end which I thought was interesting how the story kept shifting and it never felt like it was betraying the central tenets of of the storytelling Mm -hmm. yeah so it allows the characters to be subtly introduced to conflict and grow and develop but then it also allows you as the audience to tiptoe into the, the conflict which i just really uh, enjoy so many animated films and these particularly animated comedies it feels like the characters are just shouting at me the whole time even ones that i enjoy like i liked the most recent crudes movie i thought it was fun but i did feel like all the characters were shouting all the time and it was just all on like bah, 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 bah. whereas this it it has those softer moments it has those humorous moments it has the intense moments it's it's just does such a good job like you were saying of this three act structure of guiding you through the story and i think it's because in America, by and large, most of our animated movies are marketed strictly to children. So you that you get things like The Boss mm-hmm. Baby. And yeah. there's not as many studios, I mentioned Pixar already, maybe Leica being another one, that are using the medium of animation to tell stories for everyone. And I think anime can really tap into that in, in a very visceral mm-hmm. way. And I think yeah. Your Name is, is a key example where you get storytelling that is more that is quieter that is more reflective that is more nuanced than just like oh pop culture reference check fart joke check pop song check which is fine sometimes but it's just so pandering when I was growing up I was born in 83 and so when I was growing up a lot of the air quote children's movies were terrifying (laughs) we had like never-ending story and labyrinth and even the animated ones like the land before time and a lot of the don bluth stuff from back in the day they were treating children like people and not like i don't know for lack of a better term idiots they were 
educating them and, and having them rise to the occasion rather than be like, here, you want this, lots of colors, lots of noise, lots of moving things fast. And so I think your name really captures, like you're saying it maybe, yeah, maybe it is a, a good teaching tool. Maybe that is something that, that parents should show their kids at an early age, because I, I think a lot of what you learn about the world, what I, at least me as a cinephile have learned about the world is through watching movies. You get expo- exposure to different cultures, mm-hmm. to different points of view. And this movie is the story of this movie is really a microcosm of that. Would, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh yeah. And when I, when it came out in 2017 in the theaters, I took my three nieces and the youngest of was, see, she's 13 now, so four. So she was nine. And she, and they all loved it. I was a little nervous. Are they going to be able to follow everything? Are they going right. to like it? They all loved it. They thought it was great. And one of the things that's very exciting to me with the advent of streaming is that a lot of these films that may not have been able to get the release that the exposure that they can get now on streaming are, are being promoted. And, and Netflix, it's very exciting to see what Netflix is doing with animation, the way they're cultivating independent directors and, and really making some cool things. And you see things like Into the Spider-Verse, which I, I seriously considered, but I feel like everybody knows about that. Everyone's talking yeah. about that. But just something that's bold and dazzling and beautiful and has great characters and inclusivity and I think that that is inspiring even the big studios to follow suit and try. And you, you see things like Mitchell's vs. Machine this year, which was so good, in my opinion. You have things. It's going to be very exciting to see what Disney comes up with, with Encanto, with some of their upcoming films. I'm very curious. I, mean, it, I think it's even pushing Pixar to yeah. try new things. And I think so. Something like Wolf Walkers last year was just fantastic. So I, I had mixed feelings about Soul, but I, I think the ambition I'm really a fan of and trying to tell bold stories. So it, it's an exciting, exciting time to be an animation fan, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. I think it's you're seeing that return to mature st- storytelling in animation. Yeah. Uh, and I and think you're in the 80s yeah. too. I mean, you think things like Secret of Nim. Yes. And exactly uh that that's and like even american tale that thing gets dark my <laughs> wife and i are are the same age we watch we're used to now we have a small child and we're like this is not appropriate for you we watch <laughs> we used to watch return to oz literally like around oh, halloween yeah. time dark. because it's a horror movie essentially yeah, it is <laughs> and there's a character <laughs> with a pumpkin head and and it's it's halloween adjacent so that's yeah. something we've always done. But yes, yeah. yeah, you can have darker elements in children or family entertainment. And I don't even mean to label it as family entertainment. It's, it's right. appropriate for all ages, I guess, is a better way of putting it. Yeah. But Because there's such a stank now on calling something a family film. You think of the war with grandpa or things like that. And like, that's a family right. movie, at least yeah. from, from our perspective in the U.S. So it's just, yeah, it's, it, it's fun to see, to see I, the, more of that. Yeah, and I just think there's something for everyone in this movie. There's like her little yeah. sister who's hilarious. There's there's some sci-fi elements. There's some comedy elements. There's some romance elements. There's spiritual elements. I, I just I just can't imagine not liking it. It's just something. <laughs> it's so rich. It's a very rich movie, and I think that Makoto Shinkai just did such an incredible job 
of, of making a story that, that has so many different layers that there's so many different ways to think about it and talk about it. And, and I, I, I bond with it on a spiritual level, but you could totally enjoy it and not even think about that. <laughs> Just funny. as a relationship story. Yeah. It's, it's, I, would you consider this age stories? You said, we, absolutely. Would you consider this a romance or Taki and Mitsuha soulmates? What do you, what is yes. your takeaway at the end? Oh, that was very I quick. I barely finished yeah. the question. You're ready with that answer. <laughs> I do. I think they totally are. They're connected. They're one soul. It even says when they, when they have the sake and yeah, I do. I think that's, that's what's so great about the ending. What I really loved about the ending too, we also have that great moment earlier in the movie where they meet at twilight, the time where night meets day. So it's like the magical time, essentially the movie, the movie posits. Mitsua has, I love you written on her hand at the end of that, that scene where, where she, he, Taki was supposedly writing his name, which I thought was a really sweet moment, but it's doing the thing not to keep beating this against the wall, but my reference point for this animated storytelling in the US, but it does that Pixar thing of taking that moment, that emotion or that that phenomena that you experience in the world where you meet someone, you're like, I feel like I'm, you click with them instantly yeah. and you feel like you've known them forever and you just met three days ago and you're like best of friends right away or, or there's like, you go on a first date and you're like, that's it. I think this is the one, that thing. This movie, ha the entire story is basically justifying that moment. So it's, it's like, yeah. you have to imagine Shinkai met his wife or partner and was like, Ooh, I'm going to write a whole movie about what may have happened, speculative of what may have happened that led me to this moment. Why I don't remember all the lead up to it. It fits perfectly within, within both of these characters lives in, a, in almost a real life context that this would be the, the story behind why that, that feeling exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, whether you're again, whether you're religious or not, there are things in this world that we don't understand and right. that happen and we can't explain. And I think that when he says that I'm always searching for something, the feeling has consumed me for some time. And I think that that is something that I definitely can relate to. You have those times in your life when you just feel empty and you don't know what to do. And it, it you're, you're, I think it is a lot of times when you're younger and you're trying to figure out where you belong and what matters. And all of that is very, very real and important. But in this case, gonna, it's, it's him finding, finding Mitzvah. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask yeah. what you think the message of this movie is, but I think you just, I think you just answered that already. I think it, it is about that. Yeah. It's about that. And it's about the humanity of the other. And so philosophy, we talk about the, the needs of the other and that when we, the, the thing that creates evil in the world is when we turn people into the same, right? Mm -hmm. So when I meet a human being, I have an innate response to that person just by, by their humanity. They are the others, again, as philosophy says. But then if I turn them into the same, like they are a slave or they are a whatever it is that you're using to, to remove their humanity, then, then that allows you to treat them poorly because you've removed that emotional response. And that's what we have here. We have that connection to the other. And that is so powerful. Even when they see each other on the train and he knows, he knows, he knows her. They know they have that 
that connection is powerful. And that's what the movie is really about. Once we understand someone's humanity, we will do whatever we can to rescue them, to help them, to save them, to love them. And using the body swap conceit to do that is is so brilliant. You get the obviously the gender and the coming of age things we mentioned, but also there's like a there's a little bit of the stories like the prince and the pauper or wherever, where two characters in living in different places, living different lifestyles, come to understand each other and like, okay, well, maybe this the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You come to appreciate the other person's perspective. And I, like I said, that's why I think this movie works so well as in a way, everybody wants to break movies down as meta commentary on movies. But I feel like that almost works here because you're watching a movie of, you watch movies of different cultures and you come to understand them and then you don't fear them as much if you're that person or or whatever. And we live in a world with everyone is right or left or Democrat or Republican or black and white and everything. And and it's easy to put labels on things and otherize everyone else and therefore fear what you don't understand. And I think this movie finds a, as you're saying, spiritual, funny, romantic, and beautiful way of articulating why that is so stupid that we categorize everybody because uh, when it comes right down to it, we are all, humans we're all feeling emotions and going through things and feel always we're all searching for something essentially yeah and we're all of value and worthy of rescue worthy of being saved and worthy of of uh, life and it's it's just like you're talking about the labels that's what we do is we we make everybody the same so then we can ignore them and then you think about her father really had done that in Mitsuo's father. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until, and they do force you to believe that they, in the end, convinced him to do it. And that there was, of course, enough time. You have to take that leap with them. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. To be able to, say, bring everybody to the school. But I'm willing, certainly willing to, to go there and take that leap. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned how you and you when you rewatched this movie and revisited it, how you see new things every time. How exactly has your read of of your name changed over the last? This isn't even this isn't even something that you grew up with. This is something just within the last few years. So yeah, how how has that developed just in the span of of uh, five years or so? Well, like you said, the first time I watched it, the first couple times, I just put away the the things maybe about the religion and the sake and some other stuff that I didn't quite get. I just let that go. But I feel like every time I watch it, I pick up on new things on that side of things, the different traditions, the different, I've read some really interesting articles about, about the bands in Japanese culture and that connecting them and, and making those. And there's some of the other stuff, very interesting, the different rituals, the different, so all that adds layers, new layers. And I still just love the music. I actually got to interview Rad Wimps for Rotoscopers, and that was amazing. So, yeah, that was really cool. But it's just like little things. I still have the overall just love for the movie. But then every time I watch it, I feel like I see something new with the mythology and the story and the characters and the different experiences of both Mitsuwa and Taki some of the expressions when Mitsuwa cries, when she, after talking up going on the date, 
and mm-hmm. you see her next that she's crying and then they don't end up switching anymore like that and how devastating that is and uh, i don't know there's just little little things that you notice every time yeah like i said i've seen it the one time so i'll have to yeah. revisit it and and check those out but i'm definitely anxious to do so because i i did get that even on a first watch i did get that that experience of I feel like there's more. I got. I got to dig deeper yeah. into this. Have you seen? Just out of curiosity, have you seen Weathering with You that mm-hmm. Shinkai did a couple of years ago? Technically connected to this to this movie with I think Taki and Mitsuha mm-hmm. make a cup like a, a brief appearance in Cameo. there. Yeah, yeah. I I liked Weathering with You. I was very hyped for it, obviously, because I loved your name so much. It's pretty hard to live up to those high of expectations. Right. I think that it is gorgeous. The animation is absolutely beautiful. And the rain <laughs> is unbelievable in that movie. I I think that the story is a little, not quite as, I'm a little confused about what he was trying to say with the end, especially the ending. It feels selfish. <laughs> All these people are going to die. And I don't know. It's it's a weird ending. And so I, I still trying to figure out what, what Shinkai was trying to do with it. I still definitely would recommend it. I definitely still enjoyed it, but it's a little more muddled. I don't think it works quite as well as your name, but again, that's a high bar. Uh, I thought that it had some really interesting things in it. It's more an outright love story uh, than, than your name, which is more a subtle love story, but the ending is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should Do you, spoil it, but whenever anime comes up and any any movies like Your Name that are so well received and so commercially successful, obviously everyone's first thing is the next Miyazaki question mark. Do, do you think? Do you? But yes. do you think that that's an apt comparison, considering that Miyazaki may be done directing directing anime movies for a yeah. while? Like, what is? Do you think Shinkai is keeping that torch alive? do i think it's a fair comparison i think that they have enough similarities in the way that they they use the supernatural and the the humanity of their characters the way that somebody like chihiro and spirited away i think you can compare pretty easily to mitsua and you can see some similarities there you could there's I feel like every major director is is the is the next Miyazaki to come out exactly. of anime, whether it's uh, Mamoru Hosada or Satoshi Kon or whoever it might be, is the next big thing. Uh, this Demon Slayer now people are saying that that's the the next uh, Studio Ghibli thing, and I I think, but I think that there's just a similar affection for characters, world building, and and spirituality that. I, I think you can see in Miyazaki's characters, especially someone like Totoro, I think you can see a lot of similarities or or Kiki's delivery service, I think has a lot of similarities to your name. So Paramount is currently working on the live action remake of this. How worried are you about that? And what do you think are the challenges <laughs> in taking this story from this medium and trying to do it in, in live action and retain at least the spirit of, of this story. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty annoyed about it. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, well, yeah. And the thing that from what I've heard, I, I've heard that they are 
taking it out of Japan and going to make it a like Native American story, which I just think is a big mistake. I I think that so much of the story is reliant upon those cultural traditions of Japan. And it's not like you can just sub out Native American right, exactly. cultural things. So that seems like a terrible idea to me. And it feels, it feels like a very Hollywood thing to do. Like, well, we'll take this foreign yeah. culture that's steeped in spirituality and we'll swap it with this other culture that's steeped in spirituality. Yeah. Same difference, right? <sighs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just don't know why you couldn't just do it in Japan. I, what would be wrong with that? Yeah. We'll see, I guess. It doesn't really like hurt anything, but I just wish that that we could just celebrate the animation. Mm-hmm. And I wish that the solution to, um, to a success in animation wasn't automatically, let's make it live action. Like, right. I yeah, guess you- if I was going to do a re- remake, it's like, well, could, could we do it in animation and make a Western animated version of the story or, or something along those lines? I would prefer that. Yeah, over live yeah, action because I, I love animation. You're losing so much of this story by doing that. Like you're using, you're losing the the spiritual ties as you're saying, but also the the cultural side of things. You're losing the visual side of things because I can't imagine the moments with the comet being as gorgeous as this animation is in right. live action. That's just going to look like CG gobbledygook flying across the ceiling. Yeah, across and, the sky. I don't understand. Yeah. And I I don't really know who it would appeal to because I think right. that if you're going to spend a ton of money, which things those, it would probably cost a lot of money. And I, I think that not that many people would really be that interested in the story. And for what we're talking, it would have to be hundreds, over a hundred million dollars or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just feel like it's, setting it up to be a failure and just the anime adaptations have, have not worked so far. And I, with these changes, I just don't see how it would work, but who knows? We'll see. Like they always say, the original isn't going away. So whatever, I guess. But what I don't like about the live action adaptations that Disney does is they always put it out there as some upgrade or improvement or uh, modernization, or we're going to sort of fix the problems of the original, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. And so, hopefully, at the very least, I guess with this, they won't go down that track. Uh, <laughs> that that they will respect and honor the original, uh, because I hate that. I think it's so annoying. Like, why do we have to make? bell an inventor wasn't she modern enough like she was one of the most modern princesses there was but that's not good enough anymore or what they'll do with your name is it'll be so different from this movie that you could be like oh this isn't even the same thing it just has the same name and moving yeah. on i i think just to, to right. touch on the disney thing right real fast i think what they're the mistake that they're doing is they're just translating images from animation to live action with basically very little yeah 
you know, very little difference, very little dis- distinguishment yeah. or distinguishing factors other than, like you said, a little more backstory on this. What if Belle's mom passed away when that's why the dad's yeah, so protector, whatever different stuff. Or what if Jasmine really wanted to be the Sultan? And so you're taking movies that are um, essentially um, perfect and you're making them bad. <laughs> you're making, yeah. you're making them at best a trans, a direct translation from animation to live action with no improvements whatsoever. Just yeah. you're just diluting it, which is why the only ones that I feel have been creatively successful are the ones that shake it up a little bit. The ones that yeah. have been most, most well-received the, the Cruella, for example, which yeah, yeah go ahead. Or Pete's Dragon. I think that Pete's was Dragon. Successful. I'm so glad you said that. I was going to, and then I was like, yeah. most people didn't even see that one. It's like the one <laughs> nobody saw. And it's probably the best one that they've done so it far. Is. <laughs> I agree. I think it is the best. And you could say, well, that's hypocritical because I just said I didn't like them making it in, with the Native American. But like, right. I, I, I just feel like that's the whole heart and soul right. of the story is they being in Japan and... And so it's like if you made Cruella and didn't have any Dalmatians in it, it just, <laughs> what? You can't. You need outside the box thinking in order to do a remake and have it be, it has to be its own thing first and a remake second. And so how they approach this property, it, we'll, we'll see, I guess, to be continued that conversation. Yeah. But so yeah. Rachel, obviously this movie means a lot to you. Sell listeners on your selection, why they should track down your name as soon as possible. You should track down your name because you're going to be taken on a story that will make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you feel as feel things. It'll, it'll inspire you. It's as a coming of age story. It's a disaster movie. It's a romance. It's a comedy. It's sci-fi. It's everything that you could want in a movie <laughs> all in one movie. And yeah. it's beautifully made, beautifully animated, gorgeous music it's it's just got it all. Yeah, and I think it's uh, universally relatable because of the coming of age yes. thing. It's it, just to, to highlight your genre list there. It's it is it is hashtag cinema basically. It is what <laughs> what film Twitter likes to be. He, he like to use all these gifts of like oh it's cinema pure cinema or whatever. Like yeah, uh, there's a million variations on that. But yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Scorsese one, exactly. I think, yes. and I agree with you, what you said earlier. I think this is not this is not a terrible starting point for someone who's seen minimal yeah. anime because of what we said, because it's a, it's, it's a high barrier to entry as far as the cultural and the spiritual aspects are concerned. It'll challenge you in that way. But the first 30, 40 minutes are just like, whoa, this boy is in a girl's body and this girl is in a boy's body. And then the, the bottom drops out. So it, it gives you that adjustment period to get used to the type of stories being told. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. For people that have already seen your name and if they're looking for something similar, what other anime movies would you recommend that they check out? So first, I would recommend uh, Silent Voice by Naoko Yamada. This is a beautiful story about a deaf girl who it starts out, she's getting bullied by a young man. And then he has some space and he realizes what he's done is wrong and he seeks to make it right with her. It's a beautiful movie. It's it's a little overlong, but 
definitely worth watching. Beautiful animation, beautiful music. Another one that I love is In This Corner of the World. And it is about a girl in the in 1943 who is married off to a man uh, that's a kind man in and she ends up in Hiroshima where there's the ends up being the atomic bomb and it, it's a very beautifully animated it's a slice of life it's, I mean, some people might think it's a little slow but I think it's definitely worth checking out and really well done there's also Tokyo Godfathers by Satoshi Khan. that one is really good about three vagrants who find a baby on Christmas Eve and are trying to return it to its owner. There's also Wolf Children, about a woman who who falls in love with a wolf man, ends up having these two children, and how she has to try to raise these two wolf children. It's very beautiful about motherhood. And then you, of course, can't go wrong with anything from Miyazaki, Spirited Away, Totoro. There's you know so many great great ones from him. Akira, I think it's worth checking out. It's just such an experience to watch. So those are some of my favorites. Yeah. And I think as to your point earlier, a lot of those movies are available on Netflix or HBO Max specifically. HBO Max has oh, yeah. a whole crunchy roll hub of, of anime and as well as Studio Ghibli. I think they, that the age of streaming has made these movies way more accessible, like you were saying earlier. I think that was an excellent point to highlight. Yeah. Your name, unfortunately, not among them, but, but I don't I don't know exactly what's up with that, but it's still accessible to rent at least. So I definitely people should check all of those out. Is there anything about your name we haven't talked about before we, uh, before we wrap up here? I think covered it pretty good. I, a lot of people ask, do you do, should you watch the sub or the dub? And if the dub is going to make you more comfortable and it's going to help you, then watch the dub. The only thing that I think is, I think it's a good dub, but the the only thing that I don't like as much in the dub is the music because it feels, for some reason, in the English, it feels like they're going very, very fast. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel quite as good. I like the Japanese music better. But it's a fine dub. It's a good dub. And so if that is a barrier for you and something difficult reading the subtitles, which you really should get over that. But if it is, the dub is fine. Yeah, whatever you need to do to watch the movie, I guess, at first. Yeah. And, and it's true. Dubs have gotten so much better. You go, you watch like old martial arts movies or whatever, <laughs> the 70s and yeah. 80s or 90s. You're like, oh my God, it's so terrible. I watched, so like a couple years ago when we were still getting together in groups without worrying about things or having to <laughs> think about masks yeah. and stuff. I brought The Raid Redemption, which is an amazing action movie, over to like a friend's house. And I, I completely spaced on... The music choice is basically how they they do the the the, the audio track because the one is the original score, the other one is by Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park doing the score. And I guess we just blindly went with that. And I didn't realize until we were already in the movie, it was the English dub, and it was very jarring. Like moments that were supposed to be dramatic were getting not not the responses it was supposed to get, like getting more comedic responses because the dub was off. So I, I I feel you that that's good to know that the dub for this one is not having that not ha, does not have that problem because they can they can really sabotage a foreign language film if you're not careful. Yeah, like I would still say watch the sub, uh, right. but if again if it's a barrier for you, watch the dub. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, Rachel Wagner, thank you so much for coming on the show and bringing your name to our listeners and my attention. Finally, I've been meaning to watch this one for a while. And and when you when, as soon as you picked it, I, I think I jumped on it partially because like, oh, good, I can finally watch that. I've been meaning to get to it. Now I have a reason. I have to watch it for a podcast, <laughs> justification in place, your name. And, and it's not streaming readily on Netflix or anything like that. I had to, I actually got the physical copy from my local library and oh, that's what I watched it on. So if you have li- libraries that carry DVDs, then go that go with that. Otherwise it is available to rent everywhere. But Rachel, can you tell people where they can find you on social media in the many, in the many things that you have going on? Yes. You can find me at Rachel's reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron Tomatoes. So check that out. And also at the uh, Homeworkers podcast. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Rachel, for bringing this one on. This was a ton of fun. And, and I'd love to have you back on either this show or uh, the sister show, Franchise Detours, where we talk about movie series. So I'll keep you in the loop if there's mm-hmm. anything in particular that jumps out to you. And uh, and we'll definitely do this again soon. Yeah, this is great. Uh, I would be happy to come on anytime. Thanks, Rachel. Big thanks to Rachel Wagner from Rachel's Reviews for coming on to discuss your name. This was a really interesting conversation and and it was really making me a lot more curious about delving into anime, delving into more of Shinkai's work, as well as as the Studio Ghibli stuff. There's a a whole world there that even as a cinephile myself, I'm not particularly well-versed on. So it's a blind spot for me. So this was a real great opportunity to prioritize your name and make it a a chance to finally check out that movie. But are you an anime fan? Or if you're not an anime fan, why are you kind of more standoffish with the genre? Do you feel like there's a, uh, as we, as I mentioned during the episode, do you feel like there's a higher barrier to entry? Do you feel like it's not going to work for you? Are you just averse to subtitles? What is your deal with anime fan or no fan? Let me know on Twitter at crooked table. You can reach me in the same handle on Instagram and on email at robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll catch you next time. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED. <laughs> <laughs>